The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome to a very important edition of Squawk Box, actually. Karen and I in the studio, but we've got a cast of thousands on the road, I can assure you. Uh, big reporters, big anchors all over the world. Anyway, we'll come to that later on. But first of all, the UK Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, prepares to hand down his autumn budget as the government attempts to fix its fiscal hole. Uh, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey says the country's credibility has taken a hit. We didn't think the UK would do this. You're talking about the mini-budget? Yes, in the trust and it will take hand. longer to rebuild yep. that reputation than it will be yep. to correct the guilt curve. U.S. markets, really interesting session. Karen and I will dive into this. But U.S. markets took a step back after retail giant Target sounded a warning note about the holiday quarter, while several Fed speakers indicate a step down in the pace of rate hikes could be close. The data of the past few weeks have made me more comfortable considering stepping down to a 50 basis point investigators find an explosion in Poland was not part of a deliberate attack by Russia. European Parliament President Roberta Metsola tells CNBC it's important to keep the pressure on Moscow. It is not a question of appeasement. It is not a question of saying if we do nothing it will go away. It's not going to go away. That's a reality. Singapore investment giant Tomasek writes down its near $300 million stake in FTX admitting its trust in former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried was misplaced, noting that short-seller Carson Block tells CNBC that the sector has run rampant. I think this is a great example of greed and FOMO. When nobody's minding the store and there's very little regulation and it's an asset that really is of questionable reality, this is what you get. Right, let's get to uh, our top story in the United Kingdom. Jeremy Hunt is going to unveil his autumn statement. Now, this after he was forced to reverse the bulk of the unfunding tax cuts from his predecessor, Kwasi Kwarteng, and that disastrous mini-budget, which cost not only the Chancellor his job, but also the Prime Minister her job at the time. In his autumn statement, Hunt is expected to raise taxes for every person in the country. There's something to look forward to. And announce steep spending cuts in a bid to reassure markets and plug a financial hole estimated to stretch into the tens of billions of pounds. All this as the UK faces its highest level of inflation in more than four decades and stares down the barrel of its longest recession on record. The fiscal tightening comes two weeks after the Bank of England enacted its single largest rate hike since the late 80s. Speaking to lawmakers in the UK Parliament, Governor Andrew Bailey said more needs to be done to restore trust in the UK economy. We have damaged our reputation internationally. Because of the domestic issues Because of what happened. I mean, I was September. in Washington, as is well known, because I was <laughs> somewhat in the news, uh, you know, at the IMF annual meetings, yep. which is the, the biggest events of the year internationally, as at the G7, the G20, and so on. Uh, and we have damaged that. I mean, people saying, you know, we didn't think the UK would do this. The, 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 you're talking about the mini-budget? Yes, in the trust and it will take longer to rebuild yep. that reputation than it will be yep. to correct the guilt curve. 
Prime Minister Rishi Sunak set out the government's reasoning for today's measures on Wednesday. After new data showed UK CPI inflation increased more than 11% on the year in October. What's people's number one anxiety at the moment? It's the rising cost of things. It's inflation. That's what's eating into people's living standards. Uh, the Chancellor rightly described it as insidious. It makes people poorer. That's what inflation does. Uh, and it's the enemy that we need to face down. And I want to make sure that we do that. Uh, and we do it as quickly as possible. I want to limit the increase in mortgage rates because that's also causing anxiety for millions of homeowners across the UK. And given that we're facing these global economic shocks, we are going to have to take some difficult decisions at home to protect ourselves against those and to start getting a grip of inflation, reducing it and limiting the increase in mortgage rates. So that's why we're doing uh, what we're going to have to do tomorrow. But what I would also say to people, they kind of got a glimpse over the summer of what can happen if we don't get these things right. And we want to make sure that we do and we have stability and confidence in the United Kingdom's economy. Um, but also, I want to tell people that the decisions that we'll be making tomorrow will be based on fairness, they'll be based on compassion. Arabile is at Westminster for us for the political build-up and for all the market reaction. Jeff is on the Barclays trading floor. First up, let's get to Arabile for more. Arabile, just flesh up what we're likely to hear because already some reports suggesting that the Chancellor is likely to push back against any cause that this is austerity. But it may feel like austerity to some who are facing higher mortgage costs and the cost of living crisis. Yeah, well, Karen, if he's going to have to uh, cut spending, uh, government spending, that is, then clearly it's looking like an austerity budget, right? It's a look back to try and uh, create and uh, dissipate the pressure that has been put on government's fiscal plans. We're sitting with a plus-minus 50 billion pound debt hole that the Chancellor is going to have to try uh, and, uh, and cover up and shore up as much as possible, right? Some estimations are that you will see uh, putting together a tax hikes of around 20 billion pounds. Then you're going to have spending cuts of around 35 billion pounds. So that is the possible way to fill up those holes. How you do that, though, is going to be the key element and the key question mark here. It is possible that the poorest households uh, may even be the ones prioritized, meaning that middle income and the wealthiest are the ones who may uh, bear the brunt for the most part in this mini budget right so there are main factors here that are facing the uk economy let's talk about those right you have double digit cpi 11.1 percent the highest since at least 1981 that figure clearly uh, pointing towards higher interest rates which we have seen the bank of england uh, point to and also that growth figure the longest recession uh, on record is indeed very possible we did see uh, that growth figure of 0.2% in the third quarter, which could start off that longest recession uh, on record, very possibly uh, put it, being put forward. We have rising interest rates as we've continued to speak about the political upheaval, which has uh, indeed uh, affected the UK economy. Plus, you have all these budget restraints. So it's that tight balancing act. I'm not really sure if Jeremy Hunt, when he said that eye-watering changes need to be made uh, to the budget and uh, how things need to be done meant the weather or just how he has to deal uh, with this uh, budgetary situation. It's tough but necessary uh, uh, decisions that need to be made today and that is what we're expecting to hear from him. Of course, the last time we had a finance minister deliver a mini-budget, it certainly did affect the economy quite a lot and we did see market turmoil. That is one thing they will look to avoid as much as possible going into today's autumn statement.
Arabile, thank you very much for that. And just a note on a programming note, we're going to bring you more coverage throughout the day, including a special program for the statement itself with Jeff, Jamana and Arabile. Catch that later on this morning. A quick look at how we are faring on some of the key UK trades. Sterling has marched a long way from where it was during the lows around the turmoil around the fiscal position. You can see even this morning as we trade a little bit weaker versus the US dollar, we are 119 plus. So uh, much more elevated levels is what we're watching. It certainly has been a story too where we've seen US dollar depreciation in the past week or so around hopes of some sort of pause at some point by the Fed. I think in the uh, session overnight, we saw the opposite cause because of the retail sales figures. So that's taken a little bit of steam out of the trade. But worth noting how we react today on the details. Sterling dollar, though, uh, as you can see, still holding above this 119 level. Uh, Gil, the same story, too. We have peeled back uh, a long way from the heights of the fears around the UK fiscal position. The 4.6-odd level that we were watching on the 10-year, that has now given way to a much lower handle, the 3.15. We are perched, as you can see, at the 30-year, 3.32 as we talk about the gilt market and any reaction today, the short end of the curve, we are just shy of the 3% mark. Uh, David Schwimmer, not that David Schwimmer. Um, we're talking about the CEO of the London Stock Exchange, uh, that one, uh, told our Asian colleagues that the UK government should focus on restoring stability and comfort. The key thing is stability uh, and a restoration of confidence. Uh, in the UK market, in the UK government. So we'll see, yes, we'll see some rises in taxes. We'll see some spending cuts from uh, the Chancellor's statement a little bit later today. But I think there's a lot more comfort and confidence in terms of the direction of the government now. Well, where to send the lead anchor on a busy, important day? We should send him down to Canary Wharf, to the Barclays London trading floor. Good morning, Jeffrey. How are you? Are they, more importantly, have they given you the croissant yeah. yet? Yeah, very good morning to you, Steve. Um, I cannot confirm or deny whether that particular uh, bakery is available here, but they've been incredibly kind to us here at Barclays, I have to tell you that. And it's involved a lot of people making this happen. So um, I'm very grateful uh, to them for allowing us to be here on the Barclays trading floor. And, and Steve, I think Arabile has sort of mapped out where we've come from and how important today is in terms of um, its political significance for the country and what it means uh, for Jeremy Hunt here. But it will be the people on trading floors like this who are having to think about the consequences for the pound, for the gilt market, and obviously for the FTSE 100 and equities here in the UK. So it's a wonderful opportunity just to, to spend some time talking about the direction in which the UK is travelling in. Uh, Stephen Dainton is with me. He's co-head of global markets here at Barclays. So let's get into a conversation. Stephen, nice to see you and thanks for coming and joining us this morning. Morning, Jeff, and thanks so, for having us. So let me, let me just start by asking you about the significance of this event, really, for the UK market and for those various asset classes, and whether indeed it is necessary that the government moves as quickly as it seems to want to, to plug this black hole in the finances? Uh, I think it's critically important, Jeff. I think what you've seen over the course of the last uh, eight weeks is a level of fiscal imprudence. And I think it's critically important that the Chancellor today lays out a clear path of fiscal prudence. We understand 
from uh, numerous sources that the 50 to 60 billion pound uh, deficit that they want to cover, that's about one to one and a half percent debt to GDP, uh, is going to be addressed today. And I think it's of critical importance that we see a high level of fiscal prudence and bring confidence back to the UK gilt market, uh, as has really happened uh, since the change in Chancellor. We've come into this announcement with a very hot CPI print, over 11% here, which again just puts further pressure on UK consumers. Is it necessary to have this degree of austerity at this point in an economic cycle where consumers are already being hurt by high energy prices that are generating these high CPI prints? Well, I think it's very important that the Bank of England uh, demonstrates that it is committed to reduce inflation. That has to be the most important factor, not only for the Bank of England, but central banks broadly. Uh, and I think that you've seen uh, in the commentary from the governor uh, his intention to address uh, the inflationary biases that we're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, I think the general expectation is that we will see another 50 basis points in December. Uh, but I think also you will see the Bank of England slow that path. Uh, you heard that from the Federal Reserve uh, last week, that there is a likelihood uh, of a slowing of the path. Uh, but I think that it is important that the Bank of England demonstrates it's in front of uh, a continued battle against inflation. I suppose the question a lot of our audience will be asking themselves is how attractive does the UK look at this point, given the fact that we're on the verge of what looks like quite a tough budget? And we know we've come through, as you pointed out, um, several weeks of market turmoil related to the previous mini budget from the Liz Truss government. I mean, it's, it's a market in terms of equities that looks relatively attractive on the multiples. But given the uncertainties about what this budget will do, what would your position be here at Barclays? I, I think what we've seen in the course of the last uh, month uh, is a more responsible attitude to the fiscal position of the UK. And you've seen uh, the gilt market react to that. 30-year gilts have traded from 5% to 3.5%. I think that's been extremely important uh, that we got a level of confidence back in the bond market. Uh, the underlying equity market will be a reflection of uh, the earnings power of the corporates within the mix of uh, the FTSE through 2023 and 2024. Our uh, research department are expecting a five-quarter recession, uh, really starting, as we've seen in Q3 of this year, uh, into Q3 or Q4 of next year. Uh, but you will see a peak in interest rates. Our expectation is that you will see a peak in interest rates uh, in uh, Q2 of next year, uh, which really means that the focus on risk assets, underlying equity assets, uh, with the earnings power of the companies in the composite of the UK, uh, will come through in uh, 2024. The market, you would expect to reflect that uh, in the middle of 2023, but it's a long journey from here. It, it is a very long journey, and there are so many other international issues that are weighing on investor sentiment globally at this stage. I, I guess the, the bigger question for everybody at this point is whether the Fed is actually going to pivot. And that will also have a lot of bearing, I suspect, on where sterling is likely to trade over the next three to six months. What, what's the view here at Barclays on that? I think the view broadly is you saw softening in the CPI print in the US. I think there was a large expectation um, that you will see inflation peak somewhat 
uh, in Q4 or Q1 of next year. Uh, but you are seeing some of the major drivers of inflation, uh, the lumber price in the U.S., natural gas prices, energy prices in the U.S. Uh, are ameliorating somewhat. Of course, uh, you are uh, beginning to understand that the increase uh, in rates at each meeting uh, may be softening. So the UK was expecting a much larger increase uh, in uh, uh, the face of the mini-budget. Obviously, that softened dramatically uh, post uh, the, the Hunt intervention. Uh, and I think you will see uh, the Federal Reserve at least reduce the magnitude of the rate increases uh, that we're seeing. But I think also the Fed uh, has a long journey to travel. And our expectation is the Fed has a long journey to travel also. Yeah. And let me just ask you briefly, as, as we wrap up here, there, there is a very hot debate as to whether technology has had its run or whether there's an opportunity to return to growth in some of these tech stocks near term on a valuation basis. Uh, again, um, are these markets poised for a, a little bit of a rebound on opportunistic bargain hunting? I, I think the market wants to rally. I think it's a great question. You've seen these bear market rallies in October. You've seen a, a rally recently on the Fed pivot, as you uh, have highlighted. Uh, I think most long duration assets will trade uh, better as they begin to see the end of the tightening cycle uh, from central banks. Uh, and I don't think we are there yet, but what you are seeing, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is a reduction in the magnitude of the incremental increases from the central banks, which is a huge positive. Stephen, nice to see you. Thanks so much for helping us out with the conversation. Stephen Dayton, uh, coming to us from Barclays Trading Floor. Guys, I'll send it back to you in the uh, London studio there, but I, I think you get a sense of um, how keen... Uh, the market participants are to see exactly how tough and um, how austere this budget will be, but ultimately whether it does illustrate to the rest of the world that the UK is finally demonstrating its traditional reputation for fiscal discipline. Back to you. Yeah, very important uh, that they can do that, certainly from a conservative point of view, that's for sure, because I'm not quite sure what else they've got at the moment. Thank you, Jeff. That was great. Did you did you pick up a subliminal signal from Jeff, whether he'd got the class on or not? I couldn't quite tell. I don't think so. No, it's I don't think early. It's only 17 minutes past six. It's yeah, I know, early. but for us, we've been up three hours. That counts as brunch. On an outside broadcast, though, you can stretch it till 6.30. <laughs> it's not yeah. inside running yeah. for the audience. Anyway, if anyone at Barclays is watching, he, he likes a nice plain buttered croissant and a coffee. A milky coffee. Milky like a coffee. A latte. He likes a latte, does he? Mm, he I does like know. a latte. A latte and a, just a plain buttered croissant. It'd let be, a, and, yeah. and maybe a muffin. Skinny latte, though. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, coming up on the show, Americans are shopping more despite the high... This is very interesting, actually, because we had retail sales and we had Target, and I think they were saying slightly different things, but we will get to the US retail numbers after the break. And the podcast, Karen, any good to that? Wait, of course it is. It's got Jeff in bargains. Ah, it's all about the UK budget, its implications for the markets and the economy. Check out the Scorebox podcast. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Right, Karen and I've got a little segment segment here for you where we're going to put together a few little things because you've got the retail sales, 
you've got the target numbers, you've got what the Fed is saying, and you had that household debt report from the previous 24 hours. So let's just tie it together and see if we can build up a bit of a picture. US retail sales rose more than expected in October, despite higher prices. Now, the value of purchases climbed 1.3% on the month, 10 basis points higher than expected, and the biggest jump since February. Excluding autos and gasoline, they grew 0.9%. The numbers are not adjusted for inflation, Karen. In the meantime, speaking to our U.S. colleague, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly said that U.S. interest rates needed to keep going higher and that pausing is not even part of the discussion. I've been a little more on the we'll probably have to go higher side. I, I don't usually disclose my dots uh, for the SCP, so don't get used to it. But in September, I, I really thought when I was looking at the economy that the likelihood we'd have to go to 5% was strong enough that I wrote that down. I still think of that as a reasonable ending place for us before we hold. And the holding part's really important. It's a raise to hold strategy. Meanwhile, Fed Governor Christopher Waller said he's open to reducing the level of rate hikes next month. The data of the past few weeks have made me more comfortable considering stepping down to a 50 basis point hike. But I won't be making a judgment about that until I see more data, including the next PCE inflation report and the next jobs report. Now, I don't know much about Christina Hennington. Um, In fact, I've never heard of Christina Hennington, but she has said something which I think is very important for all of us to listen to. Christina Hennington is the chief growth officer at Target. I didn't even know what a chief growth officer was. I know you've got CIOs, CFOs, but you've got CGOs now as well. CTOs in there, you name it. But, but Christina said, spending patterns changed dramatically at the end of the third quarter. Now, this isn't some economist sitting in Wall Street or uh, Threadneedle Street. This is someone at the cutting edge or, 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 or the, cutting, the, the, the coal face of what the consumer is doing. And if they are saying over at Target that spending patterns are changing dramatically, that should be alarm bells for everyone because we've got the retail sales going up, but are they going up because of the higher cost of inflation? I think we've got to go yes on this one. Americans are putting more money on revolving credit and especially credit cards. In fact, we saw household debt jumping uh, to $16.5 trillion. Now, we, we mentioned this 24 hours ago. That's the highest increase since 2008 as well. So you've got higher debts, more credit cards, changing patterns as well. So I think it's very interesting. Still excess savings though, what, 1.7 trillion in excess savings by mid-year. So still some firepower, but I think it's just not being dispersed evenly. If you think Walmart's numbers went up the same time a year ago, could be the inflation story again. Home Depot, people apparently are reverting to refurbing their existing properties rather than moving. So again, you've got a compromise on spending here. But when it comes to target the pullback, that's exactly what we've been talking about. The lower end demographics start to feel the pain the most. They cut back. And I think you're seeing the other big point is that the promotional discounts have come back into the equation in a big way. I'm already receiving Black Friday discounts at this point. And that's quite different to the pandemic era where you just try to get your hands on product. Retail us when discounting as much then. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to CNBC.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.